Making room for the miraculous, okay? Making room for the miraculous. Open your Bibles uh, to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. That's what Pastor Randy was talking about. Enlarge the place of your tent and let and stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. The big animals and the little animals were having a football game. And at halftime, the big animals were ahead 50 to nothing. And they went into the locker rooms and the coach of the big animals said, in the second half, let's just go out and kill them. And the big animals got the ball at the beginning of the second half and the lion said, give me the ball. And he took it, went running around right in when something grabbed him, swung him around, dropped him in the dirt. And he went back to the huddle and they said, what hit you? He said, it was that centipede. And the elephant said, give me the ball. And he put it in his trunk and ran right up the middle. Something grabbed him by the trunk and whirled him around, dropped him in the dirt. He went back to the huddle. They said, what hit you? He said, it was the centipede. The rhinoceros said, give me the ball. And with his horn, he went off the left tackle when something grabbed him by the horn and threw him in the dirt. When he went back to the huddle, nobody said a word. He just said it was that centipede. And the coach of the big animals called timeout and walked across the field to where the coach of the little animals was standing and said, where, where, where was that centipede in the first half? Coach replied, he was putting on his shoes. <laughs> Enlarge the place of your tent. It's time for you to grow. It's time for celebration to expand. It's time for celebration to reach its full potential. You said it. Preparing for tomorrow. I saw it. And he's been telling me the story and I've been praying and asking God what he would have me say about it. And he gave me the scripture. And he gave me the title of a message which you might want to write down because it just might change your life. It's time for you to put on a bigger coat. It's time for you to put on a bigger coat. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time for you to put on a bigger coat. Look for just a moment at the life of Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. God gave him prophetic dreams and visions. He was the 11th child of Jacob. And during his life, he wore three coats. First of all, he wore the coat of a son. 
His father favored him above all the other children. His brothers weren't too happy about that either. He was the favorite, so much so that his father gave him a coat that, which was made a fabric of many colors. His brothers didn't like him for it. And to add insult to injury, he had prophetic visions and dreams, and he told them about them. He even said there was a day coming when they would bow down before him, even his parents. And they mocked him, and they laughed at him, and they hated him for it. And one day when they were out in the field, they took that coat off, and they threw him into a pit and decided to kill him. Just before they did, they saw a Midianite caravan coming down the road on the way to Egypt. And being good Jewish businessmen, they decided they'd make some money instead. And so they sold him. And they took his coat and splattered it with blood, animal's blood, and went back to their father and said, we are so sorry a wild animal has devoured your favorite son. And Jacob wept. And Joseph was sold into slavery. And he was purchased by a man by the name of Potiphar, who was a high-ranking Egyptian official, right under Pharaoh. And Joseph put on another coat. He put on the coat of a servant. And he served in Potiphar's house. But you cannot keep a good man, you cannot keep a good woman down. They will rise. Just like you take a little rubber ball and you hold it underwater. If you let it go, it will shoot up into the air. You just can't hold a good person down. And he continued to rise in the ranks of Potiphar's household. And it wasn't long until he became the manager of all of Potiphar's affairs, including all of his businesses, all of his money, all of his wealth, all of his holdings. Until one day, Potiphar's wife took one look at Joseph and his body and decided she wanted him. She made sexual advances toward him. She rolled her baby blue eyes at him, and he picked them up and rolled them right back at her. He wasn't interested. He wasn't going to defile himself or defile God. And she got mad, and she concocted a lie and said, he raped me. He tried to rape me. And Potiphar believed her story. And the next thing you know, they took that coat of servanthood off of him and put him in prison, and he put on another coat, the coat of a victim. And many of you have been victimized. You've been lied on. You've been stolen from. You've been cheated. You've had people say and do things about you that aren't true. And you've had to hold it. You couldn't defend yourself. And that's what happened to Joseph. He couldn't defend himself. He wound up in prison. But you cannot keep a good man down. And it wasn't long until he was the favored one in the prison. And right next to the warden, he was the chief prisoner in the entire prison. And several of his prison mates found out he could interpret dreams. And they shared their dream with him and he gave them the meaning of it. And he said to them, when you're released from prison, remember me. And those two men were released from prison, but they quickly forgot about Joseph. And some of you today feel like you're forgotten. That you've done so many great things in your life, but nobody knows. Nobody knows what you've been through. Nobody knows where you are. Nobody knows what's going on in your life. You know, but they don't know. And you're hurting on the inside. And one of the reasons you come to celebration is because you know when you come here, you're going to get some healing in your life. And Joseph wore that coat of victimhood for a number of years. He must have thought these dreams must have been nightmares. Until one day Pharaoh had a dream. And nobody could interpret it. 
his wise men, his astrology people, his 1-900 number guys, they just couldn't interpret it. And somebody remembered there was a prisoner who could interpret dreams. And they called on Joseph. And he stood before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh shared the dream. And Joseph said, I know the interpretation. There will be seven years of plenty in Egypt. The country will prosper with food, with, with money, the economy, followed by seven years of famine. And you need to find someone to gather in all the food, all the money, all the stores in together to prepare for the seven lean years that will be coming. And Pharaoh was so pleased with the interpretation that he promoted Joseph. He put a ring upon his hand and he got a fine garment which covered his entire body. Literally, he put a bigger coat on Joseph. And Joseph became prime minister. And he was the one who was responsible for gathering all the food and all the stores and all the, the wealth together to prepare for the seven years that were coming. And sure enough, when the seven years came, people from all over that part of the world came to Egypt for food and for finances. And his own family came. And they had to bow down before him just like he had seen in his dreams. Joseph put on a bigger coat. And I can remember when I was a boy growing up in the home of Oral Roberts. I would go into my dad's closet and I would find his heavy winter coat and I'd put it on. And the sleeves came about this much beyond my hand and the coat was dragging the floor. I was just a little boy. But I dreamed of the day when that coat would fit. That day was coming. And some of you, you have dreams and you have visions. And you have things in your life that you know beyond any shadow of doubt that you are called to do. But you haven't done it yet. You have not reached your potential it's about time for you to put on a bigger coat. It's about time for celebration to put on a bigger coat. It's about time for a, a different kind of move. Not just a move in the spirit, but a physical move. And that's what happened to Abraham when he was living in Iraq. The Bible says Ur of Chaldees, but that's in the middle of what we know today as Iraq. He said, get up from this place and go to a place. I'll show you when you get there. Now, I want you to imagine. God speaks to you and says, get up, get in your car, start driving. I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. <laughs> well, God, can I use the GPS? I mean, <laughs> no. You find out when you get there. That's what happened to him. And when he arrived, he discovered it was what we know today as Israel. God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you a child. Now, he was 75 years old. He's my age right now. And his wife was 65. How in the world are they going to have a baby? I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. Okay? I don't care what kind of medicine you take. It doesn't work at 75 and 65. A lot of things don't work like they used to work. But the Bible says they did not waver at the promise. 
They, they saw the problem, but they just glanced at it. And they gazed at the promise. And the years continued to pass. Now Abraham is 100, and his wife is 90. And she shows up at the delivery room pregnant. I thought about that when I saw you up here this morning. <laughs> I remember my wife, when she was pregnant with our children, you know, about seven months, she said, I, I'm ready to have this baby. I, I want to get this bowling ball out of me, you know. She didn't mean it. She didn't want the baby born seven months. She wanted born nine months. Seven months would be premature. She said it, but she didn't mean it. And I always thought she was the most beautiful when she was pregnant because there was a glow. And I saw that in you this morning as you both were up here. Abraham, 100 years old, and his wife at 90 delivers the promised son. It's time for celebration to put on a bigger coat. It's time for you to lengthen your cords, stretch out your, your stakes. It's time for you to expand. It's time for you to go where no man has gone. It's time for you to reach part of this great metroplex that has never been reached. It's about souls because he who wins souls is wise. Look for a moment at the life of Elijah. Elijah, perhaps the greatest prophet ever to live, said to King Ahab, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now you talk about authority. A man who had God's authority, it's not going to rain, and he wasn't living in California either. It's not going to rain until I say so. And then he had to run for his life because King Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel didn't like what he said. And he said it because Israel was in terrible disobedience. And the judgment of God was coming on them because they had disobeyed him. And Elijah wound up by a little brook called Cherith where he drank the water and the, the crows came and fed him. Now that's a very unusual thing for crows to do. Where I live in Oklahoma, we have a lot of crows. And crows don't bring food to people. Crows are scavengers. Like some of the people that you work with. And they don't bring food to you. They take things from you. They try to take away your hopes and your dreams and your visions. They try to stomp on what you want to do, what you believe God has for you to do. They try to tell you it's impossible. You'll never be able to do this. Like the story I heard once of the man who'd been drinking. And he was walking home. And he took a shortcut through a cemetery. And he fell into an open grave. He tried to claw his way out, but it had been raining. And he couldn't get out. So he resigned himself to sit in the mud and wait until morning until somebody could help him get out. As luck would have it, a little while later, another man who'd also been drinking took the same shortcut through the same cemetery and fell into the other end of the same grave. He also tried to claw his way out when from the darkness he heard these words, you'll never get out, but he did. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do under the anointing. 
Elijah was fed by the ravens, the, the crows, and he drank water from the brook. But the crows stopped coming. And the brook dried up. And God said to him, go up to the little town of Zarephath, where I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. A widow. A widow who has not much. And when he got to town, he found the woman and her son, and she was cooking her last meal. She said, there's no money, there are no crops, the drought has almost killed us. I have just enough meal in a barrel and oil in a cruise to make one last meal for my boy and me. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. And Elijah said to her, that's fine, give me the first portion. Now, can you imagine what the uh, Fresno newspaper would do with that? CNN headlines, Prophet Steals Widow's Last Meal. That's what they'd say. He said, for thus saith the Lord, if you'll do as I say, your meal barrel will not diminish. Your crucible oil shall not fail because there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing that God has called celebration to do that is too hard. You can do it. You can grow. You can expand. You can lengthen your cords. You can strengthen your snakes. You can do it if you decide to do it. Listen, friend, there is no such thing as indecision in life. There's indigestion, but there's not indecision. I mean, you either decide or you decide not to decide. It sounds like to me from hearing your pastor, you've decided. And she cooked that last meal and the next time they were hungry, there was enough. And the next time they were hungry, there was enough. And the next time they were hungry, there was enough. And the next time they were hungry, there was enough. And the next time they were hungry, there was enough. And the next time they were hungry, there was enough. And the next time, on and on and on and on. Historians teach that she cooked more than a thousand meals out of an empty meal barrel and crucible oil because she sowed unto the prophet. Now you've been sowing unto the prophetic ministry of this church. It's time for you now to lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Every one of you here today, every one of you has something that God has spoken to you about and you haven't done it yet. You know it, I know it, I may not know what it is, but you do. You know exactly what's in your heart. Maybe someone has stopped you. Maybe something has happened. Your fault, somebody else's fault, nobody's fault, and yet you haven't done it. I've come here today to tell you it's time for you to lengthen your cords, stretch out your stakes. It's time for you to expand. No more shrinking. I don't care what the White House says. I don't care what the governor says. I don't care what the mayor says. I don't care what the city council says. I don't care what the newspapers say. It's time to expand. It's time to grow. What that little woman did was against everything that was going on in that town, but she got a hold of a word from God and it transformed her life. And God is like that. He's looking for somebody who will believe. And I'm looking at the faces of believers today. Praise God. And they ate until God spoke to Elijah and told him to go back to town. Back where he had made that prophetic word about the three and a half years. And when he got there, he said, we're going to have a contest. 
bring in all the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, and let them make their sacrifice and I'll make my sacrifice. And let the one who answers by fire be God. And the prophets of Baal, some 450 or more of them, gathered together and did their incantations and cut themselves and danced and hooped and hollered. And nothing happened. About evening time, Elijah said, what's the, what's the problem? Is your God sleeping? Has he taken a nap? Has he gone to some other city? Where, where, what happened to your God? And they didn't know what to do. And Elijah lifted his hands and called on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And suddenly fire streaked from heaven and consumed the seed, the sacrifice that he had made. And Elijah took his sword. The Bible says he killed all 450 prophets of Baal. Now, you could do that in those days. You could take your sword, cut somebody's head off, stick it on a pole, and say, you mess with me, that's what I'm going to do to you. Can't do that today. But I, I'll say this. Every one of you knows somebody that needs to die. Look at me like that. You know their name. You wish they'd die this weekend. I mean, just. I know some folks that need to go on to glory or wherever it is they're going. And Elijah said, Tell Ahab to get ready. And he went up to a mountain high enough that he could see the Mediterranean Sea. The Bible says he bowed his head between his knees and began to pray. Prayer is the key that unlocks the throne of God's mercy. When you pray, you arrest the devil and you upset his plan for your life. Prayer has been a central key in this ministry here in Clovis through your pastor and his family. Prayer, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. But this is a place of prayer. He bowed his head between his knees and he began to pray. And he sent his, his aide over to the cliff to look out over the Mediterranean Sea. Is there a cloud? No, not yet. He sent him a second time. Is there a cloud? No, not yet. He sent him a third time. Is there a cloud? No, not yet. A fourth time, a fifth time, a sixth time, no cloud. And he continued to pray. There are times in life you've got to pray through. You got to pray until you get results. When our, when our children were little, uh, we had a, a car that was two door and had, it was the kind of car that had the seat that folded down to get in the back. And uh, Lindsay put our, our oldest, Jordan, uh, in a car seat and put her in the back seat and strapped her in. And when she put the seat back up, the seat slammed on her foot and it just crushed her foot and she just started to weep and wail and cry and yell and scream and Lindsay trying to figure out what in the world I just she said what she just done 
And Jordan began to yell, oh, mommy, pray, mommy, pray, mommy, pray, pray, pray. And Lindsay pulled the seat back up, got her foot out, and, and touched her and just began to pray and pray. And Jordan just kept saying, pray, mommy, mommy, pray, mommy, pray, 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 mommy. And Lindsay just kept praying and praying. And Jordan just kept saying, mommy, pray, pray, mommy, pray, pray, pray. Finally, Lindsay said, how long do you want me to pray? She said, until the pain stops. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta pray through. You don't quit. You don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, be not weary in your well-doing. For you shall reap in due season. Yeah, but what about the past? What about what I've been through? Look, I don't know what you've been through, but I got news. You don't know what I've been through either. But Isaiah 43 18 and 19 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and I'll make rivers in the desert. God has a way for you. He has a tunnel for you to move through. He has a broad avenue for you to walk down. Not only for your future, but also for the future of celebration. On the seventh time when Elijah sent his servant to look, he said, I, I, see, I see a cloud rising from the sea. It's about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah, I'm going to paraphrase him. He said, hot dog Jesus, the rain's coming. He said, I hear Listen to this. He said, I hear the abundance of rain. And he sent word to Ahab, get your chariot. You better head back to town so your wheels don't get stuck in the mud. And Ahab took off. And Elijah, as a prophet, wore a certain type of robe. He came down to his feet. The Bible says he lifted up the skirt of that robe and began to run. And he literally outran Ahab's chariot. My friends, you can run faster than you can run. And it's time for you to put on a bigger coat. A coat that will prepare you for the future that God has. I don't care if you're 12 or you're 22 or you're 32 or 52 or 75 or 100. God has a bigger coat for you because you've not, you've not accomplished yet what God wants you to do. And you know it. You know there's no doubt in your mind. You know there are things that you have not done that God wants you to do. And you, you say, well, it looks like it's impossible. Yes, that's right, and God specializes in the impossible. He can do what nobody else can do. I've seen it happen time after time after time after time after time after time. Put on a bigger coat. And if you'll do it, if you'll say, okay, okay God, I don't know how, but somehow, I don't know what way, but, but some way, you'll do it. You'll take the seed that I sow, you'll use it for your glory, you'll multiply it back to me like the Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You'll make me a thousand times more, like Deuteronomy says. He'll do it if you'll do it because he is an if-thin God. If you will, then he will. If you will seek, then you'll find if you will knock, then the door will be opened. If you pray, then I'll answer. If you'll seek my face, I'll show you my glory. 
He's an if-then God. If you will do it, then I will do it. That's the way God works. He starts with us. And we sow our lives, our love, our time, our money, our prayers, our smiles. We sow everything within us. And then we look up to him, the author and finisher of our faith. And we say, God, now, thank you for opening us the windows of heaven, pouring us out such a blessing that there's not enough room to receive it. Joseph put that new coat on and it fit. I remember the day when I could wear my daddy's coat and it fit. And I'm still wearing that coat today. And God is using me all over the world. I've ministered in some 55 countries. I've laid hands on 36 heads of state around the world. I've had crowds up to 200,000 people in one night. I've seen as many as 25,000 people give their hearts to the Lord in one service. I've seen miracles of healing all over the world. I've been in Merced this week. How many have heard of Merced? I've been in Merced this week preaching. I've preached eight times in Merced and we had so many healing miracles. Healings in breathing, healings in uh, nasal passages, opening healing, healings of cataracts, healings of arthritis, healings of, of uh, deafness being healed. So many healings, but probably not as many as we're going to see tonight. Probably not as many. Because there weren't as many people in Merced as they're going to be here tonight. And God's no respecter of persons. What he did there, he's going to do tonight. Because he's a healing Jesus. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't want to miss tonight. You don't want to miss your miracle. Because tonight's the night. Now I want you to stand up for just a minute. And I want you to do something that literally is supernatural. Just, I'm not talking about doing it physically. I want you to reach up and take the coat you have on now and I want you to take it off. Now I want you to reach down, pick, the, pick up that bigger coat and I want you to put it on. Now you can be seated. There's something very special about putting on a bigger coat. I've got one more story to tell you and then I'm done. A few years ago, Lindsay and I were preparing to do a television program. We had brought a prophet from Australia to be a guest on our program. And after the program was over, we went back into our little green room to have some food and some fellowship. And he said, Richard, it's time for you to put on a bigger coat. And I said to him, what do you mean? He said, it's time for you to expand your life and expand your ministry. God has more for you than you're doing now. He said, the group of angels that have protected you and guided you all through your life have done their job, and now it's time for a larger group of angels to come. Bigger angels. You know, you didn't lose your angels just because you grew up. Angels are still there. They're ministering spirits for us. Hebrews 11, 11 tells us that. Ministering spirits for us. He said, what you need to do is to thank those angels who have guided and guarded you all your life. Thank them and, dis and uh, release them and call in that group of new angels for the rest of your life. And so I did.
And when I did, something hit my shoulders. I looked around to see if my wife or somebody else had just put all their weight on me. And there was nobody behind me. Suddenly, I, I felt my shoulders sag. And I said, what's that? And this prophet friend said, that's the new coat. That's the bigger coat. I said, it's heavy. It's heavy. He said, yes, that's right. Because it's heavier than what you've been wearing. But he said, in a little while, you get used to it. And you'll be able to carry it. And for the next couple of days, wherever I went, I just felt like something was heavy on me. It was that coat. But it didn't take very long till suddenly I was standing up straight again. And I was carrying that new coat of anointing. And something hit my life, and I've never been the same since. Today, you're putting on a bigger coat, which we just did a moment ago is symbolic. It's symbolic of what God wants to do in your life. And I'm telling you, when you leave this place today, you're not going to be the same again. Because God has a new coat for you. And you say, well, it's, it's heavy. That's right. But you'll fill it out. And you'll get used to it. And you'll carry it. Can you say amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit that I pray this prayer. There are some folks here today who have never put on a coat of God. You can't really put on a bigger coat because you never had one on. You've never made a commitment of your life to Christ. You come to church, you give your pastor a good hearing, you're encouraged, but you've never taken the time to make a commitment to God. Well, today is your day, and I'm just the man to lead you in that prayer. The others here who've slipped away from God, things have happened, things have gotten out of your control. Some of you may have even blamed God, but today is the day of reckoning. Today is the day to come back to your heavenly Father and put on that coat that he has for you talking to two different groups of people, those who've never made a commitment of your life to Christ, but you want to, and those of you who've been running from him and you want to come home. And you'd like me to pray a salvation rededication prayer with you. I know exactly what to do if you'll just cooperate with me. If I'm describing you, if you'd like to make a, a fresh commitment of your life to God, if you'd like to repent and receive Jesus, or if you've been running from him and you want to come back home and you'd like my prayers, would you hold your hand up? I want to pray for you. Don't be embarrassed. Jesus said, if you'll confess me in front of men, I will confess you in front of my father. Hold your hand up. Now you with your hands raised, stand up quickly and come to this altar. Stand up. If you raise your hand, step out in the aisle, come right here. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make a fresh commitment. Today is the day to put on a bigger coat for all that God has for you. Just fill in all the aisles, fill in the aisles down here this way. It's the beginning of a new, a new day. It's a new life.
Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter who's in charge. Doesn't matter what the economy says. Doesn't matter what the news says. God is bigger than all that. And he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Why? Because he's God. And he can do what no one else on earth can do. And I believe he will do it. And he will do it for you. Now lift your hand and pray this prayer out loud after me. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner, a backslider. I have missed the mark and I am truly sorry. I ask you to forgive me and bring healing in my heart. I repent. I turn my back on the past. I renounce the devil and his grip on my life. And I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I come back to him as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Save me. Heal me. Deliver me and set me free. From this moment, I'm going to serve God with all my heart, all my mind, and all my strength. In Jesus' name, and all the people said amen. Oh, somebody give praise to the Lord. Pastor Randy. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, this is the first day of the rest of your life. You'll never be the same again. Same way your body needs food, your spirit needs food, and you get it in the Word of God. This is not something you just carry around and try to keep it clean. You know, Mark it up. And let me tell you how to read the Bible. Don't start in Genesis. It'll freak you out. No, don't, don't start. Start in the New Testament. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Watch Jesus come rising up out of the pages. Then go to the book of Acts and you see his followers, the disciples, what they did in his name. Then go back and start at Genesis and see how he created everything that you can see from what you can't see. And then go on into the, the, the kings and prophets and, and see the future and see the prophecies that are even being unfolded even now because all the Bible prophecies haven't come to pass yet. And then go back to the letters of the Apostle Paul, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, so on and you learn how to live a Christian life. That's how you read the Bible. Come on, give praise to the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.